On this episode of Midnight Snacks, we will talk about a horror host that has made a huge impact on my life, and yet, I've never seen his show. Sock puppet assistant, Olaf. Say hi, Olaf. Hi, Olaf. God, that joke is so old. I'm so embarrassed. I'm I love TV movie horror hosts, and this show is dedicated to this underrated art form. Now, this particular episode, we are going to travel all the way to Pittsburgh to talk about a host that has indirectly changed my life. This episode, we will be discussing William Robert Cardell, or Chili Billy from Chiller Theater. I decided to do Chili Billy for this episode because, much like Zachary for the first episode, we lost Chili Billy last year. He passed away on July 21st, 2016. And how Zachary passed away last October, it really saddens me that we lost two of the major icons of TV movie horror hosts in 2016. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about good old Chili Billy. So first off, I want to talk about how what was different about his show compared to others is that he didn't wear a costume or put on makeup. He didn't have a crazy character, like a vampire type character or a ghoul, or, you know, uh, Undertaker, or what have you. Um, he just put on a tux, and he was Bill Cardell, a.k.a. Chili Billy, just playing himself. Now, he would do a lot of crazy characters in the skits and bits, a lot of those crazy characters that, that reoccurred over the years. Um, but as far as the main host himself, he was just Bill Cardell. Now, Bill Cardell got his start in broadcasting in 1951 on radio, uh, he had a show called Cardell Campus Capers on WDAD in Indiana County, P uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, he first worked in television at WICU in Erie, Pennsylvania in 1952, where he did the weather, He appeared and he appeared on a children's show called Merry-Go-Round as Uncle Billy. In 1957, he moved to Pittsburgh and began his long career at WIIC Channel 11, which was an NBC affiliate. He was one of the original six announcers when the station first went on the air. Now, Billy did, a, did it all. He hosted a studio wrestling show. Uh, he did a teen dance show. There was a show called The Four O'Clock Money Movie, uh, Luncheon at One, and a show called Movies to Laugh By. In 1964, WIIC had bought a package of like 100 horror movies and decided to produce a show that would air these films and... On September 14, 1964, Chiller Theater was born. Chiller Theater began um, as a show on Saturday afternoons, uh, and Billy was quickly to agree to be the host. 
Uh, at first, Chili Billy was just the voice that announced the movies and would also go in and out of commercial breaks. Uh, as as it went on, he he uh, it was all live, so he would kind of throw in some jokes from time to time, and this quickly took off for him in popularity. The first film ever to be shown on Chili Theater was The Brain from Planet Eros at 3 p.m. Saturday afternoon, September 14th, 1964. The show was quickly moved to 11.30 p.m. Saturday nights on September 19th for a double bill of It, Terror from Beyond Space, and The Screaming Skull. Screaming Skull is a motion picture that reaches its climax in shocking horror. Its impact is so terrifying that it may have an unforeseen effect. It may kill you. Therefore, its producers feel they must assure free burial services to anyone who dies of fright while seeing the Screaming Skull. Be sure to bring someone with you who can identify you when you see the screaming skull. Now with the show on Saturday nights, Bill began to perform in front of the camera in his classic tux and doing various bits and skits in between the commercial breaks and before and after the movie. Chiller Theater ran from September of 1964 all the way to its final show, December 31st, 1983. Now here's where Chili Billy connects to me. George Romero is my all-time favorite director. And George's films are what made me want to be a director as well. The first time I ever saw Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead, those three films in particular changed my life forever on how I look at movies, how I perceive films and special effects, and it's made me who I am today. Now, if it wasn't for Bill Cardell, we may not have ever, even have ever had Night of the Living Dead or the zombie genre as we know it today. Bill Cardell plays an actual important, although small, part in George Romero's history. George Romero and his friends would watch Chiller Theater while attending Carnegie Mellon, and they would always talk about how they could do a much better horror film than some of the movies shown on Chiller Theater. And when they saw Last Man on Earth on Chiller Theater, that is when they had the idea to make Night of the Living Dead. Welcome to a night of total terror. <laughs> Night of the living dead, the dead who live on living flesh, the dead whose haunted souls hunt the living, the living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. <laughs> adventure in fear. An experience in shock, more shattering than your strangest nightmare. Night of the living dead. A night with the dead who cannot die. A night of total terror. George even managed to get Bill to be in Night of the Living Dead as the news reporter that's following around the zombie hunters uh, towards the end of the film. That is how much of an impact Chili Billy had at the beginning of George Romero's feature filmmaking career. And as a continual homage to Chili Billy, he also was in the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead, directed by Tom Savini. Tom Savini, who 
is also somebody that was highly influential to me back in the, back in my younger days for his special effects work. Uh, in particular, the stuff he did on George Romero's movies. When Tom Savini was younger, he used to watch Chiller Theater, and at the age of 13, he would actually go all the way down to the studio and watch the show live. Chilly Billy had total control over the content on Chiller Theater. The station would let him pick the movies that he would want to show. Uh, if the film was particularly bad and he didn't want it on Chiller Theater, they wouldn't play it. Now, Bill was a really busy man with various stuff he was, that he did for the station. Many times he would finish doing the weather, then change his clothes, then five minutes later, he'd be opening Chiller Theater. How he got the name Chili Billy was one night, the sports announcer on the news said, and coming up next is Chiller Theater with Chili Billy. And right away, like the next day, Bill Cardell got noticed on the streets and was called Chili Billy, so it just kind of stuck from there. In 1971, Chili Billy got the music bug, and he recorded a 45 record called Chili Billy's Vamp. Vamp was the A side, and then the B side was Strange But True. Now, Strange But True was a bit that was also on the show, where Billy would tell creepy stories that were all true. Chili Billy's Vamp was released on, vamp on the Vampire label, and the song was often used to close out the show. So let's take a little listen now to Chili Billy's Vamp. stuff i'm digging it this is why i love doing this show because i do the research and i learn so much more about these guys that i already thought i knew stuff about and i never knew that this that this 45 existed so i've decided i'm on the hunt now to track down this 45 i need to have it in my collection um to also kind of share with you right now the b-side we're gonna i'm gonna play some of the uh strange but true um uh story from the b-side of the of the 45 this is Chili Billy bringing you deliciously terrifying tales on the strange but true. For my first story, I would like to tell you about a very strange paradox on the lives of two of the most famous men in American history, Presidents Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy. Both Presidents Lincoln and Kennedy were concerned with the issue of civil rights. Lincoln was elected in 1860, and Kennedy was elected in 1960. Both were slain on a Friday and in the presence of their wives. Both were shot from behind in the head. Their successors, both named Johnson, were Southern Democrats and both men served in the Senate. Andrew Johnson was born in 1808 and Lyndon Johnson was born in 1908. John Wilkes Booth was born in 1839 and Lee Harvey Oswald was born in 1939. Both Booth and Oswald were assassinated before going to trial. Both presidents' wives lost children through death while in the White House. 
Lincoln's secretary, Kennedy by name, advised him not to go to the theater. Kennedy's secretary, Lincoln by name, advised him not to go to Dallas. John Wilkes Booth shot Lincoln while in the theater and ran to a warehouse. Lee Harvey Oswald shot Kennedy while in a warehouse and ran to a theater. The names Lincoln and Kennedy each contain seven letters. The names Andrew Johnson and Lyndon Johnson each contain 13 letters. The names John Wilkes Booth and Lee Harvey Oswald each contain 15 letters. Does history repeat itself? Andrew Johnson was not re-elected. So that's a sample of Strange But True, the B-side of his 45 record. Now, Strange But True is more than just a, a bunch of facts of different conspiracy theories and whatnot. It's actually, it was a lot more of the stories that he would tell. And it was a reoccurring bit that was on the show as well, a pretty popular bit. But it was all like stories that he had uh, put together that were based on, on true facts. So now that we're into the 1970s, it's time to talk about probably one of the biggest changes to Chiller Theater throughout the years, and that is when he started adding uh, other cast members. Uh, in 1976, as the show continued in popularity, Bill Cardell decided to add to what was called the Chiller Theater family. So we're going to break down the different members of the Chiller Theater family. Starting first, there was Norman Elder. Now Norman was known as Norman the Castle Keeper on the show. Bill met Norman at one of the wrestling shows that he was the MC for. Norman had a unique look that Bill thought would be great for the show. See, Norman was born with a birth defect that gave him a slightly deformed face and kind of those buggy Martin Fellman type eyes. Billy would often say that Norman was, was a great, kind, and very gentle man with a heart of gold. Norman lived in Stubbinville, Pennsylvania which was 60 miles from Pittsburgh. Now, I think I'm saying Stubbinville properly. I mean, if anybody knows me from Attack of the Killer podcast, you've learned very quickly that I cannot pronounce names or cities worth a darn. So we're going to go with Stubbinville. Anyway, so yeah, he lived in Stubbinville and would often hitchhike back and forth to Pittsburgh whenever he wanted to attend the wrestling shows. And he did this quite often. Now, unfortunately, Norman died in the year 2000. And he left behind quite a legacy. He was one of the more popular characters on Chiller Theater, and many of his fans still miss him deeply to this day. Next up was Donna Ray. Now Donna Ray was cast as the character Terminal Scare on Chiller Theater. Billy first met Donna at a local spa, and her character on the show never spoke. Her gimmick was that she would wiggle her body, which granted magical abilities. She would bump her hips to the left, and then to the right, and then there was an amazing flash, thanks to flash powder, and this power was usually used to teleport somebody. More often than not, transporting Stefan the Castle Prankster into like a tree or something. Speaking of Stefan the Castle Prankster, he was played by Steven Lunsinski. Again, hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Steve was a, a dwarf fellow who was 19 at the time when he ran into Chili Billy in Las Vegas. Now Steve was a pretty big fan of Chiller Theater up to that point, and just by happenstance, managed to run into Chili Billy while Chili Billy and his wife were waiting in line to see a show. So he approached William and introduced himself, saying that you know he was a huge fan of the show. Billy, being the uh, nice guy that he is, said to uh, give him a call sometime. That night in Vegas, Steve called Chili Billy at three o'clock in the morning. When Billy was like, "Why are you calling me at three o'clock in the morning?" Steve's reply was, "Told me to call you sometime." And lastly, there were two more women that rounded out the cast. There was Bonnie Sue Barney, who was Georgetta the Fudge Maker. Now, Bonnie was Miss Pennsylvania at the time. On the show, she dressed as a farmer and made fudge. 
and eventually in real life would actually make fudge and was quite successful selling her fudge. And lastly, there was Joyce Sterling, who was Sister Susie. She was a successful model in Pittsburgh. Now, on the show, with the cast, there was no scripts. They just had set situations, and they would kind of talk about what they would do in those scenes. And then when it came time, they would just improv the, improv the bits. In 1977, Chiller Theater had a primetime special, starting with the movie Dracula's Risen from the Grave, then followed by the local news, then two more films, Colossus Forbidden Project and Black Friday. This is the dawning of the Age of Colossus. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Dr. Charles Forbin. In a few moments, Colossus will address us directly. This is the voice of world control. I bring you peace. It may be the peace of plenty and contempt, or the peace of unburied death. The choice is yours. Obey me and live, or disobey and die. The frightening story of the day man built himself out of existence. Colossus, The Forbin Project. So that just goes to show how popular the show was, that it warranted its own primetime special. You know, usually horror hosts are kind of dumped in the middle of the night on like a Friday or Saturday night, and Chili Billy got a primetime special. Now, if that doesn't convince you of Chili Billy's popularity, um, Chiller Theater was such a hit with fans on WIIC in the 70s that even NBC itself couldn't get the station to air the network's new hit comedy, Saturday Night Live, for four years. They refused to move Chiller Theater to a later time slot. It took four years before they, before they finally moved the show to 1 a.m. and switched it from a two-movie format to just a one-movie format. So what made Chiller Theater so successful? Was it just the sign of the times? Was it the movies themselves? Was it the addition of the Chiller Theater family cast? Was it the skits and bits? Or was it the charismatic Chili Billy himself? And what I find amazing about Chiller Theater was the special guests Chili Billy would have on his show. We're talking, we're talking high caliber people from like Vincent Price to Barbara Feldman, who played Agent 99 on Get Smart. It, it, it. Saturday, night, 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 time for Chiller Theater and Chili Billy Cardillo. Good evening, all you tigers. This is Agent 99 with two frightening tales calculated to set your heart pounding. Oh, excuse me. Hello? Max. Max, would you please tell me before you say anything what I'm doing on this assignment? Well, I'm on this program, Chiller Theater. You're sorry about that. But Max, you really think the regular host is a member of chaos? Oh, that's Chili Billy. You really think he's dangerous, Max? Well, then maybe I could use some help. Right, Max, I'll be careful. Oh, sorry about that. <clears throat> In our first chili tonight, you'll be terrified by the living dead as vampires stalk the night. And you'll want to hold on tight when you see the vampire's coffin, followed by a great venerable chiller, the ape man. Jerry Lewis appeared on Chiller Theater? And that's mostly because Bill and Jerry Lewis knew each other, because Bill would do the uh, Jerry Lewis telethon every year. There was also Bonanza's Lauren Green was on the show. Lauren, uh, we're out of time, but no. If you had, uh, in a minute, a capsule. Uh, I'm a little prejudiced about this question because I have a daughter that's a junior in drama at Carnegie. But if there were any advice you'd give to a youngster now, what would you say? Would you say, like, go to Broadway, try New York, live theater, uh, go to the movies, do what you want, follow the wind, what? Is there any one thing you can say here? Can you pinpoint it? You can't say one thing. There's so many, many elements which, which go into the making of an actor, an actress. So many. 
First of all, study. Learn. Learn. Make body. Uh, the, uh, the instrument. Uh, uh, your voice. Your imagination. Uh, the way you think about things. Observation. Concentration. Uh, all these things have to be have to be studied, have to be learned, uh, to be able to concentrate on stage. Uh, very important to, to communicate with people, to let yourself go, to be loose, to be easy, and then to be in the right place at the right time. <laughs> right, to have it all and to be in the right place at the right time. Well, Vincent Price is in the back. He's on the vector radio with the return of the flight. He was in the right place <laughs> right, at the right time. Right, Lord, thank you very, very, very much. We'll be back with more uh, of something else later. Watch this. Phyllis Diller appeared on Chiller Theater. And she appeared in a skit where Chili Billy was creating his very own Frankenstein monster. And when that moment when the sheet gets pulled back to reveal his hideous creation, it was none other than Phyllis Diller. But probably one of my all-time favorite stories of a special guest would have to be the time Tiny Tim was on the show. I'm going to read from the book American Scary by Michael Monahan. Uh, it's a really cool book covering a lot of different horror hosts. I'd highly recommend picking it up if you're into the genre. And I'm assuming you are if you're listening to the show. And this was uh, from an interview with, with Chili Billy. Tiny Tim was a good guest. I felt sorry for Tiny. I really did. I thought, you know, he has an unusual act, but uh, he was just trying to make a living. So the police, they used to ride around the north side where the station is, and they'd come in and watch me do some things, you know, maybe grab a cup of coffee or something. So they're up there, and there's Tiny Tim. It's about 1.30 in the morning, and I said, Tiny, the next insert, I want you to play the ukulele. He sits there strumming. I've got a, a crew about six. They're laughing. We're all having a great time. He was a great guy. So one of the policemen came over to me. He says, hey, Bill, do you think Tiny would come out? I never told this story before. Do you think he would go out in the parking lot? We'll put him on the police radio, and he'll sing Tiptoe Through the Tulips. So I said, hey, yeah. What do you say, Tiny? And he says in his high voice, oh, I'd love to do it. So we go out in the parking lot. It's summer night, beautiful, about 70 degrees. They open up the police band, and here's a special treat for all the police. And on the police band you hear singing a la Tiny Tim, Tiptoe Through the Tulips. Very cool story. And just amazing at the caliber of guests that Chili Billy would get on his show. So bottom line is, is what I'm really trying to say, is just how influential, how impactful Bill Cardell was. Not just the TV horror hosting, but media in general. He's often still fondly remembered for, for the um, wrestling shows that he hosted. But, in my opinion, and the point of this show, is just, I think Bill was, Chili Billy is one of the top ten greatest TV horror hosts of all time. And I base that on the influence they had on others, the impact that they had on, on media in general, and on the genre of TV horror hosts. And this is my top ten list. I'll go ahead and read, you, read through what my opinion is, again, opinion, of what the top ten TV horror hosts are of all time. This is in no particular order, but probably pretty darn close. Uh, Elvira, Zachary, Vampira, Bob Wilkins, John Stanley, Joe Bob Briggs, Sven Gulli, Bill Cardell, Goulardi, and can't count Gore Duvall. I feel like those are the top ten that really made an impact on this genre, influenced many, many, many others beyond those that watched them locally. I feel like these are guys that transcended their their own local broadcasting. And we look at a lot of these guys who have who have done other things in pop culture besides hosting horror movies late night on weekends, like Elvira. You know, hell, she's everywhere. She, she especially in the '80s. You know, Zachary. We talked about that on last episode. You know, he recorded children's albums. He or not children.
know, novelty albums. I don't want to call them children albums. Um, novelty records, but he also, you know, had the whole had some books and just all kinds of stuff. You know, I, my first exposure to John Stanley was the Creature Feature Movie Guide. That was long before I even knew he was a TV horror host. I had I bought that book way back in the '80s. Um, <clears throat> Joe Bob Briggs, you know, hey, forget about that. You know, most most people know who Joe Bob Briggs is. You know, Svenguli is was so influential that people have carried on the, the Svenguli moniker and still do that show on television to this day. You know, Count Gordeval, he I feel he's the, he's a pioneer in like this resurgence of TV horror hosts and and bringing TV horror hosts to the internet. Um, you know, Goulardi is still often fondly remembered as an icon of Cleveland, and Bill Cardell, Bill Cardell. <clears throat> Uh, such a huge impact. You know, he influenced filmmakers like we talked about uh, with George Romero. Um, and he even influenced, you know, actors and comedians that transcend far beyond Pittsburgh. Actor-comedian Joe Flaherty had a reoccurring character on the show SCTV. It was a skit called Count Floyd's Monster Chiller Horror Theater. for you tonight kids this is really going to be scary i'm not kidding you this time this movie is called blood sucking monkeys from west mifflin pennsylvania and it's really good so i'm not gonna waste any more time let's take a look at this movie it's really gonna scare the daylights out of you <laughs> let's take a look at the film now joe flaherty has often said that count floyd was highly influenced by Bill Cardell. Now, Count Floyd is more of your atypical TV horror host, uh, your stereotype TV horror host, if you will. You know, he's kind of just as a vampire. He does the howling noises and, you know, tries to do the bad, cheesy Transylvanian accent. But, I mean, if it wasn't for Bill Cardell, Joe Flaherty wouldn't have the idea to create a skit based around TV horror hosts. And Count Floyd has far beyond transcended the SCTV show. For me, another reason that Bill Cardell was an indirect influence on my life, Day of the Dead was has always been one of my all-time favorite movies. And the first time I ever saw Day of the Dead was the moment that really changed my life and became made me the uh, the horror fan that I am today. The lead actress in Day of the Dead is Lori Cardell, Bill Cardell's daughter. So kind of comes around again for George Romero like he has Bill Cardell in Night of the Living Dead and ends up having his daughter in his film Day of the Dead so you know it's a family affair then sadly all good things must come to an end December 31st 1983 was the last regular episode of Chiller Theater that last episode Chili Billy showed two movies The Wolfman and it came from outer space. Now, looking back, it's a good run. You know, September of 64 all the way to December of 83. Almost 20 full years of Chiller Theater. 20 years of a regular weekly television show. That is amazing. That's awesome. That is a very, very good run. You know, if you look at the grand scale of TV shows that have been produced throughout the history of television... Not a lot can say they've lasted 20 years. But, even though that was the end, we hadn't seen the last of Chilly Billy or Chiller Theater. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about what happened next.
with Chili Billy. Hey, horror fans. This is Mike, one of your troop leaders over at the Horror Scouts podcast. I, with my co-hosts Brian and Nick, want to invite you to check out our show. We post new episodes twice a month that include movie reviews and general discussions about horror. So whether we're handing out merit badges for things like writing, directing, and gore, or just talking around the campfire, we'd love for you to join us. Head over to horrorscouts.com for more info and subscribe to us on iTunes by searching Horror Scouts Podcast. You can also find us along with all the other awesome shows on the Phantom Podcast Network at downrightcreepy.com. And if you prefer social interaction over spending time with the bodies hidden in your shed, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter with at horror underscore scouts. So, I'm Insane Mike. The host of Attack of the Killer Podcast. And I'm here to tell you about our show. Attack of the Killer Podcast is about a group of friends who openly discuss horror movies. It is a very fun show, and we discuss various horror topics. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you may even learn a thing or two. Here's what the critics are saying about Attack of the Killer Podcast. Brutal, evil, ghastly beyond belief. So check out our show at attackofthekillerpodcast.com or stitcher.com or even at the Phantom Podcast Network at downrightcreepy.com You can also follow us on Facebook at Attack of the Killer Podcast Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema Your three hosts, Mike It's a quick <laughs> Thank you, come again Not racist at all Mark, if you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can back to Midnight Snacks with me, Insane Mike, as we continue our discussion of Chili Billy, a.k.a. William Cardell, the host of Chiller Theater. I'd mentioned before the break that after 20 years on the air, Chiller Theater came to an end on December 31st, 1983. But fear not, young listeners, that was not the end of Chili Billy or Chiller Theater. They would Rise from the grave over the next several years. First off, in a special, a television special in 1991 called The Chiller Theater Reunion Special. And then a second reunion special came out in 1998, Chiller Theater One More Time. This time, his co-host on the show was George Romero himself as they watched and talked about Night of the Living Dead. I did watch the 1991 Chiller Theater reunion. You can see it in full in its entirety, uh, without commercials of course, on YouTube. Um, there is no movie with this special. Uh, it's just a reunion show where they do skits and bits. Uh, they show a lot of classic footage from the past 20 years. Um, and it's it's a lot of fun. Um, if you want a better taste of Chili Billy and Chiller Theater, uh, I would definitely recommend checking that out. 
It's a chilly theater reunion. Starring Chili Billy Cardilly. <laughs> Terminal Stare. Stefan the Castle Prankster. And Stormin' Norman, the Castle Cooper. With special guest appearances by former county quarter Cyril Wett, Bruno Sammartino, Phyllis Diller, Barbara Feldon, Skeet Scottino, some of the world's ugliest women, and assorted skeletons from the closet. Now, stand well away from the set and keep your hands inside the car at all times. Here's... Chili, Billy, Cardilly. That has been the only thing that I've been able to find on YouTube where it's the entire show. There's a lot of clips and stuff um, uh, that you can find on YouTube, but the 1991 reunion is the only thing I've, I've been able to find in its entirety. So uh, it's my only full experience of Chiller Theater uh, is was watching that. And it starts off just great, amazing, right off the bat with this awesome Sgt. Pepper's parody song about Chiller Theater. A lot of the cast is back for this, including Norman, Terminal Stare, and Stefan, uh, the castle prankster. And it shows uh, kind of where Terminal Stare and Stefan have been all these years. Terminal Stare starts off as you see her as a librarian as she gets the invitation to the Chiller Theater reunion. And Stefan um, is a girls basketball coach. The show contains a lot of skits featuring a lot of his classic characters like Captain Bad, Doer of Dirt, Defender of Delinquents, and Mr. Magnificent. Uh, he also does one of his strange but true segments on the show as well. A young boy once had a very strange and perplexing dream, and he shared it with his mother. In a quivering voice, the youngster told his mother the story. He dreamed he was going down one of the steepest hills in town on his bicycle, and his brakes failed to operate. The terrified youngster yelled for help as the bike headed for a dangerous intersection. The bike picked up speed as it moved down the steep hill and straight for an oncoming car. The boy tried to swerve and headed instead towards a freight train moving on the tracks alongside the roadway. A tragedy seemed imminent as the boy suddenly jolted himself awake. After hearing the story of the boy's dream, his mother told him that dreams very rarely come true but that if he felt better about it, he should walk down or up the hill for the next few days instead of riding his bicycle. The boy took his mother's advice, and he did walk the steep hill for several days. Nothing happened. Then, on a sunny Sunday morning, as the boy was walking back up the hill, he spotted a youngster rolling down the steep incline on his bicycle. The boy was screaming. His brakes had failed. And just like the dream, the bicycle was headed for an intersection, a dangerous intersection with a red light. A car moving around the corner and a fast freight train rumbling down the track. The boy steered the bike around the car and missed it by a foot. Then he veered away from the freight train and headed towards a parked car. He slammed into the car and somersaulted over the roof and onto the concrete pavement. Both legs were broken. The boy watching the tragedy hurried home to tell the ironic story to his mother. The dream, after all, did come true. It's true because I lived it. I was a little boy who had that dream, and I tearfully told it to my own mother. Strange, 
but true. A lot of special guests appear in the special, including Phyllis Diller, uh, Bruno Samaritino, who is a professional wrestler, and Dr. Cyril Wench, Wench uh, chairman of chairman department of pathology at Central Medical Center. Uh, I don't know if he is somebody who would show up from time to time on Chiller Theater. Uh, I would assume that's the case. Otherwise, it's a very weird, bizarre uh, guest to have on the show. What's this? An invitation to a Chiller Theater reunion. The show's been off the air for seven years. Usually, uh, things have not been dead quite so long when I get to see them. But it's appropriate that I should have been invited. I can't think of a bigger stiff than Bill Cardill. Uh, the guys have been dead for 10 years. Regan Mortis set in a long time ago. Somebody just forgot to tell him. But uh, I wish I could be there. I can't. There are some things that need to be sewed up uh, at that time. Bill, you can understand. But good luck. Have a great party and knock them dead. Since there's no movie for this special, they, they kind of created their own uh, with the Chili Billy Players, and they do what's called Dracnet. And what it is is basically, it's kind of like, um, what's up, Tiger Lily, or Kung Pao, things along that nature, where they've taken uh, a bunch of old movies, like a lot of classic horror movies, um, like Son of Dracula, The Ape Man, Dracula, stuff like that, and... They re-edited together and redubbed all the all the dialogue and sound effects and stuff uh, to put together their own little story comedy story bit, um, where it's kind of like Dracula meets Dragnet kind of thing. Another bit that they do on the show is the Mess World contest. Um, search for the ugliest woman in the world. It's the Mess World Contest, Chili Billy's annual search for the world's ugliest woman. And now your host, Chili Billy. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome to the Mess World Contest. For over 20 years, we kept up our search for the epitome of ugliness. And as they say, it's an ugly job, but somebody's got to do it. And it's a fun little bit uh, where you have the Wolfman, Dracula, and apparently the mayor of Pittsburgh being the judges uh, of the world's ugliest woman contest and then the women there's three three contestants and they all have like really ugly makeup isn't she ugly isn't she horrible isn't she ugly that's why she's this up because when I watch the credits I see that Greg Funk was one of the makeup artists on the show. Now this was 1991. This is around the time when I graduated from high school and in that fall I, I went off to Pittsburgh myself to attend the Art Institute of Pittsburgh for their industrial design technology department which was um, which had their special effects makeup courses and one of the teachers at the school was Greg Funk. So it's kind of cool that like Greg Funk was did this around the time I was either coming to Pittsburgh or you know I was already at Pittsburgh and I had no idea at the time. And what's weird is is like I I don't remember 
Um, if I had ever seen this, actually, when I lived in Pittsburgh, if I saw this special, um, I may have. Who knows? Like, it obviously, it didn't stick in my mind. There was a lot of other weird things going on in my life at that time uh, for me to remember some uh, local broadcasted TV horror host show. I would highly recommend checking this out. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's obviously got your low-budget, low-quality, local broadcast TV special. A lot of really bad, bad jokes in it. But I love that stuff, man. I love all of it. I love the quality of like local television broadcasting. It's, it's like a gone and lost art. You don't really see any of that kind of stuff anymore. And especially in this capacity of like a TV horror host doing a reunion show where instead of showing a movie, they just highlight themselves and highlight the show and just do all these funny, goofy bits, almost like their own version of Saturday Night Live. Answer the door, honey. those two amazing TV specials in the 90s, that would be it for Chiller Theater. Chilly Billy would not return to the television airwaves. However, that wasn't the end for Bill Cardell as he continued his career on radio and in 2012 was inducted into the Horror Hall of Fame. He finally retired in 2014 and unfortunately on July 21st, 2016, Bill Cardell, Chili Billy, died at the age of 87. Bill Cardell loved Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh loved him back. Weeks before his death, his daughter Lori posted on the internet that Bill had been diagnosed with liver cancer and could really use some cheering up. So right away, Bill received thousands and thousands of cards and letters from his adoring fans. He may not have been a big Hollywood star, but he left behind an amazing legacy. He was fortunate to get to do what he loved. He was a newsman, a radio personality, an actor, a producer, and most importantly to us, a TV horror host. Thank you, Chili Billy, for all that you've given us. That is it for this episode of Midnight Snacks. I want to thank you all for listening. And also a very special thanks goes out there to Chili Billy, who influenced so many people, several of which were influences on my own life. So thanks again for listening to Midnight Snacks. Uh, we'll be back again with another amazing episode down the line. And, but until then, good night and sleep warm. Facebook page Midnight Snacks and we'll read your comments on the show.
All music and audio clips are used for entertainment purposes only, and no copyright infringement was intended.